I think we went into this series kind of not knowing what it was going to be and expecting it to be a mixture of psychology, psychiatry, philosophy, spirituality, neurology, you know, any of those areas. And I suppose the expectation was that it would veer in some specific direction, and it does seem to be veering. But it's hard to say in what direction. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure Jay's hand just crept up behind you. Thank yeah, there God it is you again. saw that, man. I, was... I just need to make sure it's not a murder. <laughs> I thought that was in my head. That was freaking me out. No, I was like, that's oh, okay. Him. It's gonna be this kind of night. No, that's him. <laughs> <laughs> you freaked out, Joel. Are you happy? <laughs> I'm glad you saw it first, because if I saw it, I would have just screamed and toppled. <laughs> He does that all the time. All the time. Whenever he wakes up before he's supposed to, he's like, I'm going to go scare her. Let's see what I can do right now. Let's find a new way. I mean, why Doesn't not? matter. <laughs> because it's terrifying. I'm sitting here. No, because, okay, I'm writing like a psychological thriller book, like an intense book. So to get into the mindset, I put on creepy music. I turn the lights off. I have a few candles. It looks like I'm summoning a demon. I'm just sitting here with creepy music, going for it and writing my book. And then I just feel hands on my shoulder. (laughs) Uh, Well, today we're talking about the word triggered. What a Uh, transition. (laughs) I feel like the people in our lives could use a little bit of laughter right now, and we could definitely April Fool's them from a distance. Yeah. Um, I like to bomb people's lawns with things. (laughs) Uh, So currently on my agenda, I've been saving up for a while, $3 a day, because that's the price of a plastic flamingo if you buy them in bulk. Okay. I'm going to buy 50 of them and put them in a friend's front lawn. Just 50 plastic flamingos. They detest tacky lawn decorations, so I think it's especially funny to do that. And they will wake up in the morning and see 50 in their front lawn and be very disturbed by it. Yeah. I'll put glitter in all the pockets of your coats. I'll break into your house, and I'll put 300 pictures of (laughs) Nicolas Cage in strategic places. I will fill your front lawn with 300 forks, just... Yeah. Because, but I'm not I'm not hurting anybody with my jokes. And I feel like <laughs> well, I mean, maybe a little, but in the, in a way where they can be mad in the moment where it's not harmful enough that it's still something they can laugh about later. And yeah. I think that's the important distinction to make with with making a joke on April Fool's Day. If I can jump in here, Amber's been one of my best friends for like 5 years now, and being friends with you means you are automatically on the list for a potential pranking. Mm-hmm. Um, I helped you prank people one year. Yes. And I had immunity for the following year. Exactly. That has long expired, and I live my life in constant fear. <laughs> Good. <laughs> That's how I want my friends to feel about me, so they know that I care. <laughs> Well, that's even fun because then there's the long kind of like meta prank that happens in there where they don't know if you're screwing with them. So you're sort of screwing with them by not screwing with them. That's called gaslighting, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Joel and I, one April Fool's Day, waited about, what was it, half an hour, 45 minutes? So long. We staked out (laughs) someone's house waiting for them to leave. And then, as you said before, filled their front yard with, with forks. Yep. I put the poppers under their seats. I put cups filled with water all over their entire bathroom floor, which I did at one of the bars that I worked at one year, and that went really well. Um, I put uh, vinegar in all their soaps. I hot sauce their ketchup, just little things like that throughout the house where they keep finding them. (laughs) This was just one house, so you understand why I need an assistant, because I usually hit a few of them. But here's the thing. At the house where, like, I knew the person well, like, as well as you did, I felt completely comfortable just, like, throwing balloons everywhere and covering the bed with streamers and and whatever. Mm -hmm. 
We went to another house that was like friends of yours that I knew in passing, but wasn't really like close to. Mm -hmm. And I was like terrified to be, okay, technically we were breaking and entering. So I, <laughs> I had permission, very, okay, uh, from the roommates uh, or the, the <laughs> landowner, the Lord of the land gave me permission to go and do the things. Okay. It felt like breaking and entering to me. I know what. Because I'm me. And, <laughs> but I don't know. It felt like I love a good prank. I think I just like witnessing it more. And yeah. not being culpable. <clears throat> That's the problem with most people is they like witnessing the prank, but they don't want to be responsible for it. I wouldn't they, call it a problem. They they, <laughs> they want the laugh from the outside, but you have to think about the sacrifice of the person that, that is making everybody laugh and how they, they put themselves out there to do that. For that house that we hit, I had to give an apology cactus card. Um, I like that you use the terminology, the house that we hit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just oh. that in there. The house That's that why it feels wrong. Pranked. <laughs> I don't even remember how it happened, but I had like three credit cards and my library card get declined on the same day. Oh no! It was insane. I didn't even know. Like it just declined my library card, like like you would decline a credit card, and I was just standing there, like staring at it, like that can't even. How's that even happen? <laughs> Hang on. Did you accidentally give them your credit card? No. <laughs> no, it was like I had gone to like the gas station. That didn't work out. I'd gone to the bank. There was nothing in there, and then. Went to the library. I was like, at least I'll go do this. I'll go get some books, get some CDs, we'll sit down, <laughs> make this work somehow. <laughs> and then uh, I went to ring them up and I was like, you've got to be shitting me. And I had to just go up to the library and be like, look, <laughs> you got to work with me on this somehow. And we mm -hmm. got through it. But but I don't know. I just, I miss that a lot now that there was a place, you know. And well, that's why it's kind of cool that we're doing this like mail order thing. Because it's like a piece of that, you know, it's not the same as walking into a big building full of everything, but it's it's still a connection to the world through knowledge and that feeling of like, oh shit, this thing arrived and like, let me read this, or let me check this out and like, that's still something. Yeah, and I guess we don't just have to send each other books either. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we got to think of a way to make the um, packaging renewable though. I know. Yeah. Cause I'll be honest, I sat down with the envelope that, like, the mailer that you sent me, and uh -huh. was trying to like meticulously scratch the freaking labels off, <laughs> so that I could save two bucks. <laughs> so that's where I'm at, but um, it didn't work very well. <laughs> Do you know to send it out media mail? Yeah, they did that. Yeah, Cause, yeah, okay, because that'll save you some money too. Dude, I forgot my fucking wallet too. What's it was such a shit show from start to finish, man. I got to the post office, forgot my wallet, so I had to pay in nickels. <laughs> I was just I went up to the guy and I was like, I'm so sorry, man. And he's like, why? And I was like, just you're about to find out. And uh <laughs> I just dropped this big bag of nickels <laughs> down onto the counter and I'm like, look, you have a choice right now. I can either pay for this thing in nickels entirely. <laughs> right here <laughs> or you can kind of take this thing on good faith i live like a mile and a half away <laughs> and i'm gonna go get my wallet <laughs> what did he do so we kind of met did he take the nickels we met halfway okay he made me pay for half of it in nickels all right which i thought was insane but he, he did and then he let me do the other two dollars on good faith I realized there was a lady. I was like waiting in line to deal with this thing, and I let a lady pass me, and she like kind of looked at me funny when I stepped out of the way. It's oh, after you, just very, like you know, as if I was supposed to be doing any of this. And then I looked down, like why did she look at me weird? And I looked down and realized I'm just holding a big sack of change, <laughs> <laughs> and I've just got an envelope and a huge sack of change. Oh my god, I look fucking insane, especially with a mask. There's no, you can't see the polite smile as I let her go by. You just see a crazy-eyed person who just had nine cups of coffee, has a big sack of nickels, and an envelope full of bucks, who keeps running out to his car and coming back in. It was a good day, dude. I love the pandemic. <laughs> Would you be privy to the existence of other red pill takers? 
Ooh. So that would change it for me if I knew, like, given that I know the truth now, if part of that truth was that there are other people like me. Like you had a team on a ship yeah. that you could, like, plug in and out with? Yeah, just yeah. like, yeah, like if I could be like, oh, Joel took this thing too, let me go over there. Yeah. Because yeah. then it you would almost, you'd ameliorate a lot of things that would cause you great tension if you were dealing with it alone that's something that pete holmes says a lot on his on his podcast <laughs> hell would be a lot more bearable <laughs> if you could take a five minute break every once in a while to talk to other people about how unbearable hell is <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> like if you are changing your circumstance that much you at least want someone to talk to you about it and just like relate to yeah you get a shared experience which is so much of what I think would be lacking if you didn't take that blue pill. It's like you would rip yourself from that sort of collective human thing that gives a lot of stuff meaning or at least, you know, some semblance of tranquility so you can get through it. You also, maybe you're not even going to be with humans. Yeah. Like, maybe you go to a world where the sea monkeys make us. I was going to go with dolphins, but yeah. Yeah. Sea or monkeys, dolphins. for sure. Or dolphins. <laughs> Do you get to remember that you took the red pill too? I would think so. I think I'd be less inclined to take it if I couldn't remember taking it. And it also places less emphasis on the act of choosing the pill if you don't remember it. Yeah. Because I'm looking at the the whole allegory of the matrix or of the hero and looking at the universality of it. That's where I'm getting like stuck with it. Mm. Yeah. Because I feel like the journey is part of, um, I don't know, it kind of like, is innately a human thing to kind of want to feel like you are living with meaning, like you have a, a road to climb or a mountain to climb and there's this thing, there's this red pill I can take that can get me somewhere else and change the course, the trajectory of what I thought my life was like up until this point. Mm -hmm. We've all kind of gotten to those precipices before in our lives where things needed to change or things just change without us trying. Yeah. And led us in a completely different way. Yeah. And if you're looking at it at, at, as that sort of like hero's journey analogy. That's, yeah. That's where I'm getting yeah. really pulled on it. There's also like, when you think about it, like so much that factors into whether it's a good idea or not. I, I'm with you on the hero's journey thing. Like that's, that's where I go as well. But the hero's journey isn't necessarily written by or for the hero, you know? Mm. It's kind of like how like if you watch, like I find this whenever I watch The Office there's a tendency to like put yourself in that setting and be like, Oh, I would, this is a great world. I would love to be here. But it's cause you sort of identify with the protagonist, you know, like I realized at one point, like I wouldn't be Jim, you know, <laughs> like that fucked up the whole show for me. Cause I was like, Oh God, I would be Toby. <laughs> That's how I wouldn't want to live in this world. No, get me. But it's kind of like when a hero's journey is is portrayed correctly, you know, everybody identifies with the hero and sees themselves in it right. and sees mm -hmm. the value in, in that person's courage for like stepping off the beaten path and going where no other human dared to go and coming back to tell about it. And mm -hmm. even the pain gets glorified because mm -hmm. it's like, you know, we don't think about Odysseus like just languishing on that island for 20 years you just think like he did and it was there was chicks there it was great that he came back you don't think like that guy might have been in hell the whole time or you and, don't think mm -hmm. i would i would be one of the guys who got turned to pigs exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. i'd totally be that guy turn into a pig for sure yeah like who reads the odyssey it goes yeah that's me <laughs> almost made it but became a four-legged halfway through <laughs> But I think that would factor in to some extent, you know, like it's, what if you're kind of not the hero in the hero's journey or what if like you get to be the hero, but that's not the fun role, you know, mm. like again, would it still have value to you? Like it might have value to your species if you manage to kind of like spin it the right way or bring the right things back from it. Like you might be able to create something beautiful from it or whatever, but in the context of your own life, would it? serve you the way you think it's going to especially given that you're making this decision based on ostensibly blue pill knowledge yeah could you trust yourself <laughs> how can i have the wisdom to make this choice when i haven't even been living in the world that actually offers you wisdom apparently yeah <laughs> the other question is in this scenario do you have a morpheus or is it just like no straight up you take the pill and 
leave everyone and everything. And right. then... You just like wake up in the morning one day yeah. and there are two pills on the counter. <laughs> yeah. And the rules are there, explain. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, who broke into my house? <laughs> uh, yeah, in that case, if no one was explaining it, because in that scenario, take I don't know both pills, have a party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what would happen if you took both? <laughs> well, it's it purple pill, and then <laughs> <laughs> we know what the purple pill is for. Is it a heartburn thing? Is it heart? Oh, heart pill? what yeah. is the purple pill? Rylasek is kind of purple. Is it purple? It's more pink. I don't know. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. I thought there was a pill out on the market that was being advertised as the purple pill. They always call Viagra the little blue pill. Mm. I was just going to say, yeah, yeah maybe that's a sign of Viagra the blue purple. Pill. No, it's a little blue pill. Oh, okay. Yeah. Imagine if that was a consequence. You go back to your <laughs> lived reality fully erect, ready to go. You have no idea why. <laughs> but you don't know the truth. That's the cosmic joke. <laughs> Every couple of years, like that kind of like Wild West feeling of, of apps <laughs> returns and, and something is introduced to our milieu that like uh, just shakes things up and makes people feel very unsafe, but also very privileged. Yeah. And that's definitely TikTok. And the pandemic just made it worse. Yeah. Like the pandemic has just made everyone mean. <laughs> it's so sad. <laughs> like, like literally they're like, wait, but Mom, were they mean already? Yeah, but like they would keep it to themselves. I see people giving uh, death threats to babies on TikTok. The fuck? Wait, I thought yeah. it was dancing. What the hell is TikTok? Well, it is. I, mean, I it thought is. everyone just danced for fifteen seconds and then it ended. <laughs> like that's like part of it. <laughs> um, like that's like what Charlie D'Amelio does. But like, who's like she has like a hundred million followers on TikTok, yeah. which doesn't seem like a conceivable number to me. <laughs> yeah, but that's her follower count. Jesus. Um, uh. It, but, like, you can do, like, anything. Like, I make a lot of content about, like, political stuff and, like, punk and, and literally everything. And there's, like, a mom who, like, has this baby and he, like, just, like, he looks a little, like, not, like, weird, but he looks different. Mm. There's nothing wrong with him. He just looks different. And people are like, I want to kill your baby, like, in her comment Jesus. section. Yeah. <laughs> Man, It's wow. horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Joel, do you want to try to get a TikTok for like a month and see like the two no. of us, the two of us together <laughs> and see what happens and what we can do? So we, we share an account? Yeah. <laughs> you can totally do that. <laughs> I don't feel comfortable having one of my own. I'd like to have two a buddy, millennials so. resentful of technology try to use technology. <laughs> Dude, that'd be a podcast. We do like a finite amount of time, like a social experiment. You know, we try uh -huh. to just see what we learn about ourselves from TikToking. I mean, it's puns, good puns. <laughs> All right, Matt, I have an idea. Yeah. Two millennials resentful of technology use technology to learn how to dance. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> we could have a recital at the end. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be fun as hell, honestly. It's, TikTok dances are fun. Some of them are hard. I literally break a sweat learning TikTok dances. Wait, so it is largely a dancing platform. Yeah, it started. Oh, I have a landline. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just wait. One of us should say why one of us has a knife now. Well, you see, Joel left us alone. And yeah. now we're alone, and now you get the knife, Matt. Now I get the real Trevor. <laughs> Joel, Joel can't out. save you now. <laughs> there should be someone with a knife on all podcasts, because it really makes it feel more real, you know? Does it feel more real over video chat, though? Yeah, it's a knife. There's something, <laughs> there's something about just seeing you wield that thing that's real as I need to get, you know? Uh, we don't live that far apart either. So I was going to say, we are close enough where like this actually could be threatening, especially yeah. when we know where each other is. Like, like my internet could freeze. And in the amount of time that I'm figuring out what the hell happened, you could get a pretty good head start. So. <laughs> 
by the time the feed comes back, all of a sudden it snaps. I'm not in my chair and you turn around and I jump out of that piano. I see you in my screen. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be good. You can stab me, Trevor. This is healthy. This thing we have, it's good. You can stab Uh, me anytime you want, dude. (laughs) <laughs> the healthy competition is stabbing yeah. your friends. Yeah. Oh my God. You know what I was thinking about? You know that turkey postcard that I gave you forever ago about yeah, how to cook right your there. fresh turkey? Yeah. yeah. Do you ever think about the fact that I gave you that and then all of a sudden every time I showed up at your house, a turkey was there? Oh shit. No, I did not. But <laughs> yeah, for the listener, in case this doesn't make it to the cutting room floor, um, <laughs> the uh, every time Trevor comes by my house, there's this turkey that appears out of nowhere and hops up into this tree branch near where we would be talking and just sits there. And it, dude, it stayed there for weeks. I actually got to a point where I was bringing it water and (laughs) it was like fine with me being there. Like it just. The turkey's like not right in the head. It's crazy, dude. I was reading about it. They, I think it got cast out of its flock. Oh, where it's flock now. Yeah, I know. That's how it felt, man. I was like, (laughs) everybody I told that said, oh, you must relate to it. I was like, why is that everyone's first thought? But it was true. That was my first thought. Because look at us. A bunch of grumpy old gremlins fighting each other to the top. Yeah. uh, In uh, friendly, unabashed competition as rivals like some bullshit Pokemon game. Yeah. That turkey is our peer. Did you know Bill Cosby lived out in Western Mass? I By did. the way, that's crazy. I just found that out last week. Yeah. I mean, it's negative now. It's more of a bummer than it would have been but years is ago. Is he still, is he in jail though? I think so. Okay. I honestly thought he had died. Until <laughs> <laughs> that was what started the conversation about finding out that he lived in Western Mass. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I was blown away. I had no clue. Huh. Yeah, a lot of, I was going to say gems, but there's a lot of uh, things in Massachusetts. <laughs> Yeah, Cosby's not a gem. He's a thing. <laughs> well, I don't know what hidden blank, you know, like <laughs> hidden gem is what's the opposite of a hidden gem? A blemish? <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's like, you know, what bothers me sometimes is when people say there, there's no such thing as new music. Like, like every chord progression has been done. Every song has been written already. It's just like variations on a theme from there on out, you know? And that bothers me because I think that's a lack of creativity or like a lack of experimentation. Yeah. But if that's the case, stop fucking wasting music. <laughs> like that. <laughs> and like, that's kind of how I feel about this, like writing songs for the sake of being able to perform them. Well, like if you're going to be creating new music, make it count, you know, make it substantive and like... You're, you're wasting opportunity for like good lyrics to be written. And that's not for me to say, because a lot of people would say like, oh, that's, that's very gatekeepy of you, Joel. And I agree. <laughs> and so like, I'm not going, I'm not like trying to be a dictator here, but I can't help it. It is actually how I feel like. <laughs> yeah. I think that there's something to what you're saying too, where I agree with you in the sense that like, One thing not a lot of people know about modern art and modern abstract expressionism is a lot of people get mad at it and they're like, my kid could have done that or like, whatever, or like, fucking, (laughs) you just threw paint at the thing. Like, but one thing not a lot of people realize is that those artists that did a lot of that work had so much credibility before that movement even happened. Mm. And a a majority of them were already masterful uh, artists painters, draftsmen, like they all could fucking draw. But the interesting part of it was that they were choosing not to. Like if somebody had bad lyrics, it would be interesting if you knew that they had the full capacity to write good ones, but they chose not to. Mm. Then it's an interesting choice. But if they just had bad lyrics because they didn't know any better, then it's like, okay, like what's the what's happening here? Yeah, it's the difference between a conscious rejection of a norm and just not rising to the occasion. Yeah, like, and, and not rising to the occasion and just writing shit music and just writing some bullshit, like, thing that you, you know, that was made on an assembly line. Yeah. By, you know, that's, I think that's whack, you know, and I think there are a lot of people that, like, punk rock, DIY, 
or abstract art. I think these are ideas and philosophies that are abused sometimes. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where these are all valid and interesting things, but there are people that jump in, you know, that, I don't know, it's a shortcut to some people. Which can be... They're cutting a line almost. Yeah, and it's kind of unfair to the people that are consciously doing it. Like, the whole, like, my kid could do this. It's like, all right, but, I mean, does your kid have an understanding of the norms of art history and what a gallerist would expect and is defying those expectations, or is your kid three? <laughs> like, <Right>. <laughs> they're not the same. <laughs> or even simpler, why didn't your kid do this? Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just, it's art. There's no fucking rules. Like, your kid should either get up off his ass or... Yeah, shit or get off fucking lazy. Fucking Braxton. I don't even know what the fuck influencers talk about. Or do? It's crazy, yeah. I've gone on a couple of deep dives into that, man. It's nuts. How... Is that how they make money? Yeah, that's what I hate. I don't care that people want attention like that or want to be famous. I care. I am like weirdly offended that that buys you some level of expertise just by yeah. getting popular. Like, what the hell are you good at? You know, like who the hell said it? Some comedian said it that like that's the issue we run into with a lot of celebrities, even getting getting into hot water over like a joke or obviously like when somebody does something fucked up, that's its own thing. But like, just when like so-and-so had this hot take on something and then they catch like crazy flack for it. And, uh, it might've been like Tom Segura or somebody brought it up, but he said like, you know, this is all predicated on us believing that an amount of celebrity is tantamount to an amount of expertise. Yeah. And it, they aren't, it means you made a couple of good movies and now everybody just asks you stuff. Right. You don't have to know the answers. And that's what's crazy to me about influencers. And that's like, especially with stuff like the positivity with them, it's like, this is so baseless because they haven't done anything to prove it or disprove it or anything unrelated to it. These are just people who figured out how to kind of play this game. And this is just one game out of a, a bunch of games. There's nothing inherently wrong with it. But I think it's so dangerous to like... I don't know, project any sort of spiritual uh, persona onto these people. I mean, it seems like you it could be a good life if you could do it uh, as an expert and morally. Yeah. I would have no problem just talking about acoustic guitars and folk music all day on Instagram Live and knowing what I'm talking about and, yeah. and getting sponsored by whatever companies, you know, as long as it's yeah. done in an ethical way. I'd have no problem doing that. But then you would just be an expert, I think, right? Like, I might be working with a limited definition of this too, but I feel like then oh, you so would just a, be... a line then between influencer and expert. Oh, big fat line, yeah. <laughs> like <a> glowing, <laughs> bold line. When you apply that type of thinking, which to me feels right, case by case, but when you apply that type of thinking to everything in your identity and your life that it could apply to, what's left? You know, like, mm. what's that through line? What's that thread that everything kind of winds around? And how do you avoid feeling disingenuous? Like, how do you avoid that feeling that you're putting on a different mask or something when those things actually were parts that you considered integral to your identity? Or what if there's nothing left? You know, what if you're just kind of a collection of, like, I have that image of, like, the thing of umbrellas next to the door, you know? Like, what if you're just that? You're just a bucket. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, it takes you to a scary, bad place. So, like, I see why people don't do this. <laughs> yeah, I've been, uh, what did Lisa say to me the other day? My partner Lisa the other day was like, do you see me as a, and she had some, like, concern that I saw her in a negative light. And I was like, I see you as a bundle of food that has been collected by the universe that has different experiences in every moment. <laughs> and she's like, rolls her eyes. <laughs> I'd love to say that to like a police sketch artist sometimes to see what they do. <laughs> oh God. That's what these bodies are. They're just collections of food. Yeah. <laughs> 
And then they feel things. The collection of food goes, I want to be famous. <laughs> I was just kind of having that debate with my brother the other night. It wasn't really a debate. We were on the same side. So I guess that's just, is that just a conversation that's loud? Yeah. <laughs> so is that. But um, we were kind of talking about sort of how not everything has to add up by the same logic we had like 10 years ago or 100 years ago or 1,000 years ago. It's like just kind of recognizing that each thing has its place. Like there's going to be uncertainty around like what happens after we die. I almost don't feel like that science is place to pretend to know what the fuck is going on with that because there is no evidence. So you need something else. You need something to kind of make it work out for you. And then there's the idea that the sun is not pulled across the sky by a chariot. So that doesn't need to stay in the religious realm necessarily. You know, it's like these things, I think just they can dovetail into one another and stuff. And I feel like it's the same way inside our own brains. It's like you can find aspects of anxiety, aspects of depression, these things that become pathologized or become these useless burdens that we carry around. You can part those things out and use them. They're there, you know, like, why not? Well, let me ask you this. If the sun is not pulled across the sky by a chariot, where do you think falling stars come from? Oh, shit. <laughs> if that mic wasn't on a stand, he would have dropped it right then. If Phaethon had never gone to Helios and asked if he could drive a chariot across the sky and had not fallen from the sky into the sea, almost burning up the entire earth, were it not for <laughs> Zeus's <laughs> intervention, then we wouldn't have meteors to remind us of Phaethon's downfall. <laughs> That's a good point. I take all that back. <laughs> what do you think the purpose of truth is? And then do you think truth exists independently of that purpose? Ooh, I like it, Matt. <laughs> I love the question. I don't know if my brain loves it so much. <laughs> I don't have an answer either, so this is just like a... Let's see. I feel like that need for, like, given circumstance and stuff, like, that's, like, the purpose, I feel, of truth is, like, to try to have some concrete way to explain what you're perceiving. I think, and like trying to see if you're perceiving things correctly, I guess. Um, I don't know. It doesn't quite answer your question, but those are my like initial knee-jerk plankton-level thoughts <laughs> to get us going somewhere. <laughs> no, that's, you know, it's a good point. Um, like, is the purpose of truth ethos? Is the purpose of truth societal agreement? An agreement to a set of concessions to be made in order to live together in relative harmony. I think that that's often the purpose behind labeling things as true. Well, and I think that's why people can get so impassioned about like their religion or spiritual beliefs and stuff like yes. that. And like, that's why we fight wars about religion. Yeah. Um, I think that that's like definitely a big part of it is it's like we're trying to pick a rule or like a guidebook of like concessions to make when really there are isn't one <laughs> um, like there isn't one that works for everyone but that's what yeah. we're i think trying to do but then does truth exist apart from the need to agree on truth um uh, <laughs> well that actually makes me think about third part for that okay does can truth exist with only one person like does truth require a second, third, fourth, whatever party. Okay. Christ. Would it just be an action without it? Like if you chop down a tree in a forest and no yep. one was around to hear it, did you just chop down the tree? Or when somebody else comes up and says, the hell you did, now all of a sudden this <laughs> this void opens up. Does truth that occupy guy. that void? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're still the one with the ax, so it's right that fucking doctrine. But, you know, it's like, was it true or untrue before that guy arrived? Or is truth only going to exist in that gap between fuck you, that didn't happen, and yeah, it did? Well, first of all, 
<laughs> the adage is if a tree falls and no one's there to hear it. No, nah, I was there, dude. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> If, if you yourself cut down a tree, verifiably you cut down that tree. Yeah. But is it true? Because it's not referenced against anything. I just did it. You know, I just, so I could have been what? dreaming it. Well, maybe, but it's referenced against the tree was initially standing. So then it can, it can exist in a vacuum then. But even that's not like recorded, it's not recorded by anybody else's perception other than your own. Yeah. You know, so like without a camera or a second person... Was that tree standing and is it now felled? So would that make it entirely subjective, like almost purely subjective or objective? The hypothetical person in this scenario <laughs> would just be driven mad by these questions were they <laughs> to occur to them. So it wouldn't matter. Yeah. His perception would be that tree fell on him and was sentient and animated only moments ago. Yeah. <laughs> like when we're thinking about, for instance, like space exploration, right? Like mm. we're aware things are happening, but we're not aware what things are happening. Mm. So does that make the supernova that happened seven light years away any like happen less? Like, right? Like, does that make it not happen because we're not aware that it happened? Like, no, the universe is functioning independently of humans in the sense that there's shit happening up in the sky or down in the ocean that mm. we're unaware of. Um, end point. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know where that can go, but there's a thought. <laughs> well, weren't we just talking about, you were talking about Alexander the Great and there was someone who died. Oh, Callisthenes. Callisthenes. That kind of goes back to like, we don't know how he died, who killed him, or whether he was killed. So does it matter? Does it matter to history whether or not he was murdered or died in battle or, or died, you know, any more than it matters whether <laughs> this motherfucker <laughs> cut down his own tree? <laughs> Well, it's like, cause it's like, does the event exist independently of anyone's perception of it? Kind of is like that. Like, yeah, the event yeah. did the event happen if no one perceived it? Because it also it dovetails well, nicely with the idea it. of psychosis. <laughs> or do I? <laughs> well, if you perceive it as like it animating and falling on you, right? Like, <laughs> I like your perception of it, Joel, better than my perception of it. That this animated tree is coming down like oh fuck you <laughs> i do that no, I, I mean okay the <laughs> that was an example of your perception being valid unless you doubt your perception in which case perhaps that's going to drive you mad yeah but so the question is does the event still happen regardless of your perception like, so if you perceived it as the tree animating and, like, attacking you, when in reality, like, in an objective truth reality, where a tree falls, did the event still happen? Like, a tree fell, but you perceived it as it animating and attacking you, right? <laughs> like, it's like the supernova that happened seven light years away. No one's aware yeah. of it. That doesn't mean it didn't happen. Mm. If the tree falls, but you perceived it as the, as the tree attacking you, does that change the fact that the tree was actually just falling? No. But then if there's somebody else who comes along who can verify that you're the one who cut down the tree, who's to say that their perception of your cutting down the tree is any more valid than your own? And this is why lawyers have a hard time in court with witnesses. <laughs> That's right. Memory, not admissible evidence. <laughs> well, how about this? Though? What if, I mean, and let me know if this is getting too, like, fucking pointless for this analogy. But if, um, say that you cut down that tree and you obviously go insane as a result sure and you know just because <laughs> you've does. been thinking about it <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's the reason i don't live in a rural area um <laughs> i know who i am okay but so you go nuts you cut down this thing you can't get it through your head the right way and you have either some form of a psychotic break or you take drugs or something but you're in complete isolation and you have a hallucinogenic experience that gives you something that is effectively your reality for the next 12 to 18 hours or whatever. And now we're talking. Then you, okay. yeah. yeah. 
But maybe on some level you don't necessarily know. Like you don't have that sort of snapback that society will give you when you have a psychotic break or something and they sort of tell you, hey, that chunk doesn't jibe with what we're experiencing here. And they sort of medicate you or move you back to where everybody else is. If you don't have that and you come back to society and say, I cut down this tree and then I cut down a thousand fucking trees <laughs> in like an hour. <laughs> I mean, it would sound ridiculous, but if that was so 100% true to you, just the way that cutting down that single tree was, and you have nobody to verify it against. Have you ever thought of no writing to fables? <laughs> <laughs> Matt's Profane Fables, <laughs> volume one. <laughs> Like when COVID initially hit, I couldn't play gigs anymore like all of us. And my immediate reaction was I started mountain biking again, like right away. And I realized after a few weeks that it was because I missed that like turned on feeling. Like Mm. when you walk out on stage and you hear people and you're like, I better not screw this up. And there's that terror because I get like crazy stage fright. So it's Mm -hmm. like I missed having that like locked in. You're thinking a millisecond ahead a bunch of times in a row. Like, I just, I don't know. I realized like, oh, that's like a part of me now. It, at least it is now. I don't know if it always was, but mm. it's a skill set that I form some aspect of my day around. And uh, it just makes me wonder how generalizable stuff like that is. My immediate reaction was to redecorate. <laughs> <laughs> I started walking, walking very long distances. Mm, yeah. But, uh, I mean, it sounds like the mountain biking thing is like a flow state thing. Yeah, exactly. Crave crave Mm. that flow state. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not like an adrenaline junkie by any means, but I I am definitely a flow state junkie. That's that's the exact term I was looking for. I think we all are talking about that in a way. Mm. Whether mountain biking or long walks or decorating a room, like it is all flow state. It is all just like getting lost in a task. Yeah. Right. And that's a great thing. Yeah. That's where mind doesn't betray us, where the mind kind of helps us along. Yeah. And that's also where our needs are taken care of, so that if you're going for a long walk or going mountain biking, you probably don't have to worry about a predator. Yeah. Hopefully. Now we wiped all them out. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I got a bobcat now. Yeah? Yeah. It leapt out of the tree the other day. What? I was out there having a smoke at four in the morning and a bobcat leapt out of a tree. Oh, shit. Oh Very my nearby. God. <laughs> you do not hell. live in an area where I'd expect to see a bobcat. Yeah. No, that uh, that was like my second thought. Yeah, I haven't told anybody this. I'm probably going to edit this out. Yeah. I swear to God, I saw a demon the other night. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> it was rainy. I did not have my high beams on. So I couldn't see it very well, but I saw what I could have sworn was a deer running across the street, and then the deer had an enormous wingspan, and it flew up into the trees and beyond, and I have no idea what to make of it. Did you see the Jersey Devil? Yeah. The Jersey Devil. Maybe. (laughs) What runs like a deer but then can sprout wings and fly off? And it was like, you know what? Jersey Devil. (laughs) (laughs) I got to Google the Jersey Devil. (laughs) That's That's crazy. That's wild. (laughs) Was it like a big deer? Like a. Okay, that's exactly what I saw. I knew it. What? <laughs> How did I not know about that's this? That's a legend. It's a that's a real uh that's like Bigfoot for the the tri-state area. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, I think that there are demons and they are in our midst. And you were sober. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it could be. You have to leave this in so that it can be the episode title, dude. Or honestly, even if you don't, it should be the episode title. I saw a demon yesterday. And there it are was demons in there. And it was in our, exactly our mind. What I have been picturing when I've been trying to conceptualize what the hell this thing was. I knew it. 
They're among us. What? <laughs> you guys, I'm not okay. <laughs> I like the demons and the firemen. Yeah. I like the idea of a bunch of demons and firefighters running around trying to solve my problems. Working together. Yeah. <laughs> I want that to be a cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> um, the takeaway here, I, I guess, is to, th- to thank your critic, mm. to thank your demon. <laughs> Thank you, fireman. (laughs) (laughs) He really did work for you. He said fireman, right? Like, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. He did. Firefighters. Firefighters. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, if I've just been running with that, dude, and that wasn't actually a thing that happened. Thank your demons, thank your firefighters, and... Thank uh, the children. <laughs> That's the conclusion we've reached. Man, we should someday, like, write down the question we asked in the beginning of these things, and then the one-sentence answer that we got to at the end. Because that was the sentence, and I can't think of how the fuck that would correspond to the question we had. <laughs> but I like that we got there. That's like my fantasies. My fantasy career is to become like a Daft Punk person. Oh, sure. Yeah. Secretly. Like just have a famous, like be famous as an EDM person that nobody knows it's me. Like you wear the helmet and everything. Yeah. And and sweaty bodies. I would just pay someone like Trevor like 50 bucks to go be me at those shows too. And I just, (laughs) it'd be fun. Hell yeah. That's my bedtime. I feel like you're way more suited to that lifestyle than I am. Now I'm going to do uh, dubstep matinees. I'm going to popularize those. <laughs> 2 p.m. <laughs> Let's go out to the midway, guys. Oh, well, that sucks. Grab <laughs> brunch and an EDM club experience. That's never been done. Guys, I don't know if I want to roll when the sun's out. I don't know what's going to happen to my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we should have an experiment. Each one of us calls ourselves a wordsmith as publicly as possible for the next 30 days, and then we have another episode, and we see what happened to us. Here's the thing. You and Joel would get away with it because you like <laughs> kind of like go social media for the most part. Well, what if I just went on it hard and was just telling people how much of a wordsmith I'm pretty sure I am? That's what I'm saying. People would know that you're shitposting. Oh, <laughs> <I yeah. laughs> If me Ian did it, people would stop talking to us. We, we would be we would be banned from certain communities. If I did it, I feel like it wouldn't be that much of a surprise. Actually, <laughs> it wouldn't be a surprise, but you'd have the criteria to back it up. Yeah, everyone would just go yes. <laughs> I'd have evidence, but it would still be a dick move. <laughs> Hard argument here, Matt. You would also have the criteria, or at least the background, to like pull that shit off. Trevor, I, I don't know if this like rings true to you, but for me, I'm dumb as shit, and I know that I would not be able to pull it off in the slightest. And just the fact that I know that means that I'm already doomed from the start. Trevor, I'm not saying you're an idiot, but <laughs> no, I get, I, I know what you're saying. <laughs> Ian, you're actually a very good writer. Yeah, I mean, like every time you post something longer, like a little mini essay or whatever, it's always very well crafted and well structured, in my opinion. I've never thought of it as that. Just me, like, eventually reaching a point once I've like spewed all the things I have to say out. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm secretly an essayist in the back of my brain. I think you're thinking more about the substance, but like I think that like your 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 written communication is I think extremely good. I think that um in a very like honest way, I think because Joel has such an eye and an ear for these kinds of things, I think it's safe to say that, you know, pretty much anyone that ends up on this show 
or ends up working with him, they're, they're at least capable of being well-spoken. Um, then I say things where I'm splicing words and pronouncing things like a fucking idiot and I really let him down. But, <laughs> but I, I think in general, you know, you surround yourself with what you know. And I think all of us have the ability to be well-spoken. That being said, if any of us goes out on a tirade saying we're wordsmiths, I'm going to kill all of us <laughs> in a horrific blood pact. So <laughs> that's fair. Uh, also Trevor, like every time that I listen to you, on a podcast whether it's your own or like you were just on boston art podcast like i hear you making analogies and crafting metaphors that i would not have thought of and that impressed me a hundred percent of the time so you're wrong. i appreciate that and it's something i enjoy about myself the parts that annoy me is all the in between when i get nervous <laughs> or i are going too fast and i'm like i don't know where the brakes are <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I, ultimately i end up confusing myself more than i confuse anyone else it's horrid it truly is horrid <laughs> i know i'm I... just as confused as you trevor don't worry <laughs> No, I have those moments all the time. I'll find myself mid-sentence, like, "What? How the fuck did I get here?" <laughs> like I'm, like I'm on drugs suddenly. And I don't know what happened, and I'm making a point, and I don't know what it's supposed to be, and then I just fumble. Dude, that's ninety percent of my experience doing this. Is like halfway through a paragraph or a sentence, I'll be like, "Pull the fucking ripcord, you idiot! What are you doing? Like, stop talking!" And then I won't talk for forty-five minutes, and then I'll be like, "Shit, you haven't talked for forty-five goddamn minutes!" And then I do it again. It's a whole roller coaster. The heart palpitations start. Yeah, it's a whole freaking conflict going on in here. It's good these are on video. Um. I don't mean to completely derail everything. For whatever reason, my laptop from Satan's heart just isn't taking the charge. I probably have about 10 minutes left before I just disappear. Right. Not to well, say that you need to stop, uh, but it's your bedtime I, I anyway. <laughs> it's literally 9 30. <laughs> Hey, Trevor, Joel's your dad now. <laughs> it's been that way for a long time. Uh, oh, that got me. Oh, wow. <laughs> well done. Well played. <laughs>